It's good morning so far. Let's keep going. Uh, one thing that we want to share also is that in the coming weeks, uh, depending on your church tradition and your upbringing, uh, many Christians around the world are going to be celebrating and observing Lent. And that may not be something that you have normally done in the past, but we decided as a church family uh, at CBC, we are going to observe it in the way that, like we do Advent, in a way that we prepare our minds and our hearts for the coming of the Christ child. We want to prepare our hearts and our minds for the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And so starting on Ash Wednesday, which is on Valentine's Day this year, uh, we will be starting a devotional, daily devotional with you all as a faith family. And we're going to be opening up later today, you'll see it on Facebook, a Facebook group on our church page that will allow you all to jump on there daily, see what the daily devotional is, comment, share with one another, share what insights you have or what things you are experiencing. And there's two ways you can do this, and you'll find that on there. You can either buy the book, which is written by N.T. Wright, or uh, a free option is on the YouVersion Bible app that most of you all use. You will see the link to download the actual Bible reading plan that follows along with the devotional. But we want to encourage you to jump on that Facebook page as a faith family, and we'll participate in that together uh, as a faith family. So I'm going to share something about myself that most of you all have never known about me. You ready? No. Every time Phil closes out the service, I go ask Scott for some secret that he has, right? I'm going to let you have one. I was once in a band. Before you get too impressed, I was a drummer. Before you get too impressed, it wasn't a band like Mouse Rat or Everything Rhymes with Orange. Or it wasn't even one of those bands that probably Jordan Gwynn had where he rocked out in his parents' garage. It wasn't one of those bands, Okay. It was the Hamilton Junior High Band, and we were awesome. We were incredible. We would do about four shows a year, not to great cathedrals, but to a room made up of uh, parents who were obligated to be there because they were parents, uh, to grandparents who couldn't hear, but that was okay because we were out of tune anyways, and to siblings who were bribed with a steakhouse restaurant afterwards, okay? That's what we played for. And we played amazing songs. And on the junior high level in Wood County, I thought we were pretty awesome. We would play the great scores of John Williams, Howard Shore, even venture into Pirates of the Caribbean a little bit. Uh, we were pretty great. We were getting ready for one show. And this one show required a drum set. And now Dr. Lee, Dr. Lee was an amazing teacher. He could pick up any instrument. I'll be honest, I have a brother who can be like this. Those people kind of annoy me. If that's you all, I'm just going to say, because you're so good at everything, and it just humbles me to see that you can pick up any instrument and just play it. I'm like, man, why are you the way that you are? Anyways, but Dr. Lee could teach. He could instruct. He was an amazing, amazing uh, conductor. And this one particular day, he says, hey, we need a drum set for this song. So he said, George, I want you to go sit on the drum set. And George is an amazing drummer, very talented kid. But the problem was we were having a really bad day. You ever had those bad days where you get 100 people together, all 100 of them are having a bad day? Those happen, right? And it's like Eagles fans. But they're all having a bad day. <laughs> George is playing, but it's just not working. He says, George, you're done. Go back to chimes. Now, that's a downgrade. You go drum set, back to chimes. You're just like, dung, dung. Yeah, that's all you do. Anyone can do it. Just going to throw it out there. And so then he's like, Donnie, you go over there. And Donnie was a really good drummer. He'd go on to play at Parkersburg High School. I think he even played in the marching band at some college he went to. But Donnie got about one, 
or two beats into it, and he's like, Donnie, you're done. Go back to symbols. We're like, dropping like flies here. So he says, let's throw Aaron on there. Now, Aaron was a funny kid. Aaron had a profound knowledge of sarcasm, but he lacked any awareness to know when to use it and when not to use it. So before he even sat down, he is being sarcastic with Dr. Lee, which only made him worse. So he gets downgraded, and I hear the words I dreaded. Scott, go to the drum set. So it should be known that in my life, I have only ever taken two lessons on drum set. So I'm going to show you exactly what I did. Because this song started with the drum set. And so I sit there, I pick up the drumsticks, I'm freaking out. I am petrified. And I see Dr. Lee begin his countdown, and I'm like, just doing nothing. So Dr. Lee's like, all right, start this again. Well, before he says that, I look over, and there's sheet music there. And it looks like algebra. And if you've ever seen algebra, it makes no sense. Don't put letters in math. It just doesn't make sense. I'm like, this is crazy. I don't know what I'm doing. He's like, one, two. And I just keep sitting there. I did nothing for probably, it felt like 10 minutes. It probably was only like 30 seconds. And I'm sitting there expecting that this show, this masterpiece that we were trying to create and cultivate, would go on without my participation. I thought in my head, I'm like, we have the best instructor in the, in the county. So we're good. We have the best trumpet section in the county. So we're, we're, we're amazing. We have the best instruments. We have the newest drum set. So it's going to be fine even if I don't participate in anything. But all I ended up doing was hindering the masterpiece that we were supposed to cultivate. So why do I tell you that? Because we've been talking in this series, Ecclesia, about what it means to be a part of the church. Specifically, what does it mean to be a part of this faith family here in Clarksburg? And the struggle that we live in today, specifically in the context of the Western world, or specifically America and our society, is that we live in an overtly individualistic society. An individualistic society that is driven by consumerism. And that impacts not only society, your family, it also impacts the church and her mission. So what does it look like? We prioritize our spiritual growth. We prioritize our walk with Jesus. We prioritize our pursuit of knowledge and never think beyond our self. We never think about the community that Phil talked about last week. We only think about ourselves. So we consume Bible studies. We attend services. We attend conference. We listen to podcasts. We read good books. And then we call it good. We look around and say, well, heaven's my eternity, so everything is set. And just like the disciples, after Jesus ascended into heaven, we stand there the rest of our lives doing this. Just waiting. Come on. Any day now. It's 2024, dude. Let's go. And we reduce the gospel all the way down to, I got my get out of hell free card, so I'm good. And we sit passively by on our stools. We sit passively by in our pews. We sit passively by as we consume content on our phones and never grow beyond that. Simply put, though, you have a role to play. Look at the person next to you and say, you have a role to play. Now look at the other person and say, you have a role to play. 
You have a role to play. And listen, at one point, if you're looking on the sermon notes, sorry Val, I changed it. Uh, if your sermon notes on your phone, it says the show will go on without you. But here's the deal. Or so that it won't, will not go. The show is going to go on without you. But it will be hindered by your lack of participation. God is doing great things in this world, and he's inviting you, inviting me to participate in what he's doing all over the world. And you can choose to sit passively by and not participate, but you are actually hindering the growth of the gospel in the church. So when we consider our faith journey, or who we are and who we are now, or who we were, because of Jesus, we follow the trajectory of what Paul writes in Ephesians 2. Ephesians 2, he says, you were dead. Someone say dead. You were dead in your trespasses and sins, and you were worthy of wrath. That's awful. But he says an amazing phrase, but God, who is rich in mercy, rich in love, rich in grace, has brought you from death to life. And he's presenting you holy and blameless because of the grace of Jesus. So now today we say, I have been saved by grace through faith. I've been brought from death to life. Don't stop there. Because Paul goes on to say, we are God's workmanship. We are God's handiwork, or the New Living Translation, which I think is the best when it uses this word. We are God's masterpiece. The Greek word is poema. Give me a guess what English word we get out of poema. Poem. Do you see what Paul's communicating here? He says, you and I, who are made in the image of God, even though we were once dead in our trespasses and sin, worthy of judgment, worthy of wrath, still bearing the image of God, though, but even though that image has been distorted and hidden, we've been made alive by the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ. We've been saved through faith, by grace, not so we can boast in ourselves, but we can boast in Jesus. And now we are a masterpiece. Look at the person next to you say, you're a masterpiece. Don't make it awkward. But look at it and say, you're a masterpiece. <laughs> Phil and Tori just even kissed with it. No one else do that. <laughs> Jesus is looking at you. God looks at you and says, you are a masterpiece. Like, whoa, 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 whoa. I have a lot of sin in my life. But here's the great thing. He actually is not looking at you. He's looking at you and seeing Jesus, not you. He is looking at you and saying, this is what my son Jesus has done for you, and you are a masterpiece. This is showing the beauty and the creativity of God, who took something that was dead and brought it back to life in his creativity and his brilliance to show that they are a masterpiece. But a masterpiece does not contain beauty and glory of itself. It all points back to the beauty of the creator. It should be noted, uh, like I'm not really a don't ever put me on that drum set. It will be awful. But I'm also not an artist. Not at all. I can draw great stick figures. I once played Happy Birthday on the piano. That's about as far as I can go. Poetry makes zero sense to me. But in all poetry, sculpting, music, all of the, the great works all point back to the beauty and the creativity of the creator or the writer or the author. So in the same way, when, when I look around and I hear about great works of art, whether it be a painting or a great song, I've never known an artist who writes something or he composes something or sculpts something and just locks it away and hides it. No, every great artist wants the work to be seen, not because it contains value in and of itself, but it points back to the creative genius of the one who created it. 
And likewise, God in his beauty and his creativity desires that you and I, as his image bearers in this world who now look like Jesus and not like ourselves, he wants that image to be shown in this world. He wants to show the world what he has created and what he has recreated. Simply put, you are not only saved from something, you are also saved for something as well. You are not just saved from something, you're also saved for something. You have not been saved from hell so that you will simply one day be in heaven. You are saved for a purpose here, today, and right now. He has created you, informed you, and redeemed you by his grace to participate in what he is doing today while he's building his kingdom all over this world, not just here in this county, but all over the world. I love how Eugene Peterson translates the passage in Ephesians when he wrote the message translation. He says this, Now God has us where he wants us, with all the time in this world and the next to shower grace and kindness upon us in Christ Jesus. Saving is all his idea and all his work. All we do is trust him enough to let him do it. It's by God's, it's God's gift from start to finish. We don't play the major role. If we did, we'd probably go around bragging that we've done the whole thing. No, we neither, make our, we, never, we neither make or save ourselves. God does both the making and the saving. He creates each of us by Christ Jesus to join him in the work that he does, the good work that he has gotten ready for us to do, work we had better be doing. I love that. He has not just saved us from something, but he has saved us for something. We have a work ahead of us and before us that we get to participate in. There's a similar passage in 1 Peter that the Apostle Peter writes this, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. That is a message to his followers then. That's a message to you today. God has chosen you. You are part of a royal priesthood. You are part of a holy nation. You are God's special possession. Amen? That's amazing. But why? So that you may declare the praises of him who calls you out of darkness into wonderful light. Once you were not a people. But now you are the people of God. Once you had no mercy, but now you have received mercy. You have a role to play. From beginning to end, the whole story of Scripture and the Gospels is about a loving God who is seeking to redeem and to reconcile a people to himself, to make his presence and love known all throughout the world. He wants all people to be saved. He wants to proclaim his goodness and his mercy, not just the way he makes things, but also because of the way he redeems people. And he wants those redeemed people to talk about his goodness and his mercy and his love and his grace and his kindness, his faithfulness. So those of us who have been brought from death to life, we're to proclaim his goodness. And today, we are living in the ripple effects of the gospel spreading to all nations. Right? If you've been attending CBC Nights, we've been talking about the 2,000 years of church history that when the Holy Spirit fell at Pentecost, the massive impact was the people of God began to be the people of God and spread the good news of God. And for 2,000 years, the gospel has been spreading every direction. And today we live in the ripple effects of that impact. And over the 2,000 years of history that we've been talking about, we've highlighted many names of apostles, teachers, theologians, leaders, men, women who have been instrumental in spreading the gospel. And when we look at them, sometimes we'll say, man, good for them. Uh, that's, that's a life that, to admire, but I can never do that. 
Or, you know, he set the bar really high. I could never live up to that. But it should be known that none of those people were ever boasting in themselves. They were never proving themselves to be infallible, proving themselves to be perfect. They actually boasted in their weakness more than they ever boasted in their greatness because they always pointed to Jesus. They were pointing to a greater work, a greater ministry, a greater kingdom that was coming. Their lives pointed to the beauty and the brilliance of God who created them and saved them. So whenever we look at these people in history, or even the people who've gone before us here at CBC, all we see is that all of us in history are playing a minor role in a much more major story. The major role belongs to Jesus alone who's done the work of saving, done the work of creating and recreating. But in this series, we've also talked about what it means to be a part of this ecclesia, a part of this church. It is our desire as pastors to call each of you, and I'm going to speak on behalf of Phil and Josh myself, to call you not from death to life, that's what Jesus does, but to call you to step into something greater than just yourself, to move beyond just being a consumer of gospel content and to be a part of what God is doing. So we believe that our role as pastors is to proclaim his goodness and his mercies to you, but also to equip you to do the exact same thing. We look and see what uh, Paul writes in Ephesians 4, and this is what I believe to be true of why I'm a pastor. Paul says this, So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachings, say it with me, the next few words, to equip his people for works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attain the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. In everything that CBC does, in our teachings, in our offerings, in our discipleship endeavors, any event that we host, whether it's the If Gathering or Secret Church or whatever it is that we do, it is our goal that you go into those things, into those offerings, and you feel equipped to take the gospel to the places around you. Not to just sit here and listen to a great sermon or to hear a great worship team or to be impressed by Scott's drum skills, right? We want you to take what God has given you and use it so that the entire body, the ones who are here, part of the global church, and the ones who are not yet part of that body may be built up and put to maturity. We want to equip you to serve, not merely consume. So you say, where do we begin, though? Where do we actually begin to serve? Well, great news. You actually start right here. You start right here recognizing that you have a much larger role to play, that an hour a week or a podcast here and there or a good book is not the end goal. It's the starting point. That we believe that, you know, this should be an amazing hour every Sunday, but we hope, I'm going to speak on behalf of them again, hopefully they agree with me, that this is not the best time of the week, that the best time is what you do afterwards when you leave here. That you take what you have heard here today and you are inspired, you feel motivated to take the gospel message that we believe brings life and you bring it to the neighborhoods around you. So maybe you pull out a connect card and you scan that QR code or you you write on there, I want to play my part. And then one of us follow up with you and say, hey, what are your passions? What gifts do you feel like you have? Or ask your your family members or your, your friends in life group, hey, what gifts do you see in me that I'm not utilizing? And begin having intentional conversations and begin praying and fasting and saying, God, where do you want me to step in? Maybe you jump in on the greeting team, which is a great way to get to know people. 
Maybe jump in on this parking lot team that we want to build up right now to help control traffic, to help point people back to Trader's Alley, to help walk people across the street when it snows, or maybe help shovel up a little, the snow a little bit. Maybe it's where you feel excited to jump in. Or maybe you want to jump in and serve in various ministries that are happening throughout the week. Different ministry leaders would love to talk to you about where you can jump in. Or maybe, the, maybe you're like Nehemiah who, who saw a great need in his community. He saw a great need. and He also realized there's no one meeting that need. He didn't just walk away from that. It says he spent the next days and months praying and fasting, asking God, what should I do? And it was Nehemiah who stood up and said, I will go back to my city. Maybe for you, you, there's a need that you see here. Maybe there's a need you see in our community that we are not able to meet or we're not meeting currently. You're like, I have a passion about this. Let's pray about it together. Let's fast together and think, what would this look like? What would this be? There are a lot of ministries here today that started with the dream years ago. Or you've taken what you've heard over the last few weeks of this series and thought, you know, I have come to this church for years, maybe months, and I have no community. And you heard what Phil said. It takes work. And some of us are waiting for community to just happen. Like me when I waited for my good grades just to happen. It doesn't work like that. It requires intentionality. It requires work to seek it out. And there are some of you who can just be like, you know what? There's already several established life groups. I'm just going to jump in. We've been saying that the work in progress class is starting the new series next week. Go see Neptune or the Harbaugh's. They would love to talk to you about what this new series are going to do in the next eight weeks. Or you're like, you know what? I go to El Rey every Sunday with the same 17 people. Let's just make this official and actually talk about Jesus and spend life together and hold one another accountable and to invest in one another, invest in each other's families. There's already a life group happening every Sunday at El Rey over guacamole. Let's just make it official. It's like the old define the relationship conversation that you all have when you were dating. It's the same thing. So go ahead to define the relationship conversation at El Rey later today. But listen, one area we need to be careful to remember is that your service is not just for the building up in the name of CBC. We are not pastors or church leaders here who our own concern is for the glory and the renown of CBC. We are longing for the name of Jesus to be made known in this space, but also in the community around us. So our goal is to build up his kingdom, his glory, his fame. And that requires us, it demands us to do something bigger. To consider the world outside our walls crucial in our mission field. That there are people in our communities, in our homes, in our schools, in our offices, in our spheres of influence who desperately need Jesus. To illustrate this, I was watching a movie the other day. And it's a movie or a set of movies I believe every single one of you also watch at least once a year. Ron, you'll love it. Lord of the Rings. Y'all need to watch it all the time. It's amazing. Uh, Tolkien loved Jesus, so therefore, there you go. And Katie can attest to this because I've been watching them all week and she's been sitting there doing schoolwork or playing on her phone while I've been, oh, this is amazing, and just kind of like just lost in the amazing work of Peter Jackson. Anyways, when I watch a movie, I sometimes look for like the underlying messages and when I finally find it, I, get, I do the, the old, hmm, that's good, right? The other day I heard something in that story that I've never heard before. And if, for context for you sinners who never read them or watched them... Um, <laughs> 
Tolkien, who influenced Lewis, who wrote Narnia, so therefore it's holy. Um, we start in the Shire with a bunch of hobbits who live in peace and harmony and perfect community with one another. But beyond their countryside, beyond their borders, is a growing and looming threat of darkness and wickedness. Right? There's a, there's a power at work that's beginning to infect and destroy the world around them. But it's beyond their borders. So one in particular scene, all the hobbits are sitting around in the local pub, and they're discussing the news that they hear beyond their borders. Hey, there's some things going on that we should probably think about. And one of the hobbits says, well, it's none of our concern what goes on beyond our borders. That same apathy has plagued the church for generations. That same apathy has revealed itself in the ways where churches throughout the years have come and gone. They've gathered in their sacred places to worship, to grow, and to teach their people the knowledge of Jesus. Yet so many over the years have existed without the community ever knowing they existed. You go around asking people, do you know anything about that church? That's a church? I thought it hadn't met there in years. Or worse, yeah, I know a lot about that church. Their stained glass says Jesus loves them. But only people on the inside actually know that. And they're on the outside not knowing that there's a God out there who loves them. So we gather together to sing songs about the love and amazing grace of Jesus, but there's a whole world who never knows such love or grace. Churches then only spend time with church people. May that never be true of CBC. We have said it over and over again. If you are visiting, this is the first time you hear it. We say it over and over again. We long to be the heartbeat of Clarksburg. That's what we want to be. And it's not that they align with our hearts, it's that they align with the hearts of the God who created and spoke this world into existence. We genuinely mean that. I've, I've seen a lot of churches who over the years who say, man, we love our city. I'm like, you don't even know your city. And you can't love what you do not know. Like, you walk outside and, like, do you even know that person's name who's, who's there every single week? Or it's like, it's like saying, I love my neighborhood. Do you know your neighbor? No, this thing called COVID happened, and we just kind of locked ourselves in the door, and we never talked to people ever again. Or, like, I love where I work. Do you know your coworkers? And I'm not saying just know their name. Do you actually know their story? Do you know anything about their life? Do you know what they're going through? Do you know what they've been through? So at CBC, what do we do? We cry out to God and say, God, show us where you want us to go. Show us how you want us to be a church and what spaces do we need to step into? Where can we serve this community? So what do we do? We, we partner with ministries like Friends Feeding Friends, the Clarksburg Mission, Glory Days, Celebrate Recovery, Open Heart Ministries, and CASA, who are doing many things to bless the people of Clarksburg. Or we start new endeavors such as after class, which blesses WI. Or we start the day shelter to communicate that people have a place to belong, a place to get warm and experience hospitality. But none of those, listen to me, none of those ministries or any of those endeavors will ever happen without you. That's why last week when we said, hey, we have, a, or two weeks ago, we had, we had this opportunity for a warming shelter. It cannot happen without you all. And there's a group of people in this room today who did amazing work as we launched it this past week. If you want to know more about that, go see Katie Johnson. She'll get you on the schedule. But you have to participate. It requires knowing this community, knowing your neighborhoods, knowing your city, knowing your neighbors, knowing your school, knowing your classmates, knowing your teachers, knowing your office, knowing your boss, knowing your own family members. Hear their story and see them as 
people. Never see a person as a project. The moment you call them a project is the moment you devalue them. They are made in the image of God and worthy of dignity, value, and respect, and they are worthy of God's love and your love. And it takes that love to change the community. I don't have to tell you, I've only been here 18 months or so. Just open ear, a little scrolling on Facebook, there's a lot of complaints about the city we call home. Man, all the addiction, all the homelessness, all the problems that we see, all the generational poverty, all the racial division, all the socioeconomic status. Man, and that's easy to jump into. You get on the Harrison County rant room on Facebook, you just start blasting people. You see what that person did? Can you believe Burger King opened up on snow day? That was a real one. And we all of a sudden just start participating in the problem. And we're waiting for someone to come in and just clean up the city. That's not the goal. The goal is transformation, not removing of problems and moving them to somebody else. That's not how this works. It requires the love of Jesus to be part of the solution and become the heartbeat of Clarksburg. So for you, that may be requiring you to say, hey, I'm going to go over to First United Methodist and, war- and go to the warming shelter at night. I'm going to come to CBC when it's below freezing and help with the day shelter. I'm going to jump in and help Josh with after class. I'm going to jump in and help serve food at God- or the Clarksburg Mission or Friends Feeding Friends. I just want to go serve my neighbor. My neighbor's going through a hard time. They're going through a cancer diagnosis. So I'm going to take them to lasagna. And you bless the neighbors. You bless the people. And maybe it's possible that God has something in store for you and God has something in store for this community that you do not even realize yet. And so what does it require? It requires you to begin praying and fasting and saying, God, what needs are there that I'm uniquely qualified and skilled to meet? And God, show me that. In all this, take time to know the place we call home. See what makes Clarksburg Clarksburg. See what makes Harrison County an amazing opportunity for ministry, an amazing opportunity for blessing. There are 70,000 residents in Harrison County, 16,000 in Clarksburg alone. All those people are made in the image of God, and yet many of them do not know that. And yes, we know the plagues of addiction, division, and maybe the simple reality of the community is not what it used to be. But let us not be mixed amongst those who complain about people or see them as problems to be moved out, but to look upon our communities and neighborhoods with the compassion and grace and strive to be at the forefront of any transformation that this city ever sees. Because we believe the gospel changes lives, it changes homes, it changes communities. Have the faith to believe that this community could be turned upside down. Why? Because it has been turned upside down for 2,000 years because of the gospel going forth. It started with something like this in Matthew 9. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. And listen to this. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. You've been there before? You should nod your head. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. He goes on to say, ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers to his harvest fields. Are you all ready to serve this community? Are you all ready to play your part? Because Clarksburg Baptist Church needs you. The city of Clarksburg needs you. 
The people of Harrison County need you. Your school needs you. Your office needs you. Your homes need you. Your neighborhoods need you. Your neighbors need you. Your own family and kids need you to play your part. Specifically, they need all of us, all of you, to step out as a masterpiece that God has designed you to be, to do the good works he has for you. What are those good works? To reflect the beauty and brilliance and majesty and greatness of Almighty God. There is nothing in ourselves to boast about, but there's a beautiful work to boast about in the name of Jesus. Will you respond to the call to be the people of God on mission to bring about his kingdom, not just in eternity, but here and now? People who are truly seeking when we pray the prayer, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That means we want to see heaven come down to earth right now and begin to bring transformation now. Why are we so passionate about this as a church? Because 2,000 years ago, there was a man walking by the Sea of Galilee who began to call people to follow him, to, to make fishers of men. And right before his arrest, right before his death, he gathers his people to, together and says, I have a new command for you. And Phil talked about this last week. He said, I want you to love me. I want you to love the Father, but I also want you to love one another as I have loved you. The object of love was to be one another, not just in that space, but the entire world. The measure of the standard was the love that he showed. Well, how did he show it? That night, he bows down before every single person in the room and begins to wash their feet. That was the starting point because the next couple hours, he went to a cross for them, for you and for me. What would it look like if we truly embraced the love of Jesus and began to extend it out to this world? It requires us to consider I'm going to wash the feet of Harrison County. I'm going to wash the feet of my neighbor. I'm going to show an abundance of love that I believe Jesus has given me. I'm going to extend it out to everyone I see. To love as he loved. To be willing to wash their feet. That's the kind of love that's required to follow Jesus. It's one thing to just worship because we know that we are loved. But it's a beautiful work when we begin to extend it out to one another. So the question that we as a church want to know, does Clarksburg truly know that CBC loves God and loves them? For you as your family, do your kids really know that you love God and love them? Yes, not like I'm going to go to your band concert kind of love. I love you like Jesus does. Do your schoolwork or your class or schoolmates and your coworkers know that you truly love them? To be a member at Clarksburg Baptist Church is to recognize that it's our call, every single one of us, to play our role. Not to just sit passively by in our, on our drum stool waiting for the show to go on without us, but recognizing that if I don't play my part, I'm actually going to hinder its growth. That the masterpiece won't be a fully a masterpiece unless I really participate fully in it. I won't really experience community unless I truly go out and try to engage it. You have a role to play. It's very hard to do something for the name of Jesus when you refuse to do anything. God is calling us to do something. He's calling us all to be a part of something greater. He's done the major work. He's asking us to play the minor role. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you so much for the opportunity to look into your word. God, may we never just sit passively by just nodding our heads in approval when we see something in Scripture that is good or we hear something that just intrigues us. May it truly put a seed down into our lives that it begins to take root, it begins to grow, and begins to flourish as a passion and a desire to not only grow into the knowledge and fullness of you, 
but also into the knowledge and the fullness that begins to show itself as we reflect your image in the community around us. God, may the love that we say we embrace, the love that makes us respond and worship, may that love be extended out to the person on the pew next to us, to the person across the sanctuary, or the person outside these walls, to the person across the table, the person across the, the classroom. God, we want to see Harrison County, we want to see Clarksburg, we want to see this world transformed by the power of your son Jesus and the gospel that's going forth. God, so we really do pray that your kingdom will come and your will be, will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God, we don't just sit here waiting for heaven. We long for heaven to come down to earth to deliver people from bondage, to deliberate people who are struggling with addictions, to bring peace and unity to families who are broken, to bring reconciliation between people groups and division. God, because we know that you can do that. We believe that. God, may we not just be a church who says we won't be the, Clarks, the heartbeat of Clarksburg, but may we actually show that in how we live how we speak, and how we minister your gospel in this space and in the space around us. But God, if there are people here today who have not yet known you, I pray that today they come to be amazed by the love of your son Jesus. That they just stop for a moment and just say, God, thank you so much for making me in your image. And because of that, I am worthy of dignity and love and respect. Thank you for taking time to create me. And God, I know that sin and my rebellion has distorted that image, but I know I'm still in your image. And thank you that you have given me an opportunity to live more like you, that you sent Jesus to die for me, Jesus in my place. So God, in this moment, there are people here today who have never known you. I pray that they wrap their arms around you, and begin to embrace you, begin to follow you and proclaim you as Lord. They follow that in the footsteps of baptism, that they follow your example and they begin to imitate you. And for the rest of us who are here today, I pray that we do not just sit here this morning, hear a sermon, hear a song here and there, and then go about our day. I pray that this is a launching pad for what is going to happen in Harrison County this week. That your gospel and your name and your renown will be made known in Harrison County, in the school systems, in our workplaces, and all over this community and all over the world, because somebody took your message and your gospel seriously. God, may we all follow your example and be willing to wash the feet of our neighbors, our bosses, our coworkers, and the people around us. It's in your sons that we pray. Amen. So if you guys, you today and you prayed, God, I want to follow you. Grab that Connect card. Write that down. Everyone should fill out a Connect card and say, hey, I want to play my part. Write that down. Give it to a pastor. Give it in the black boxes. We would love to talk with you. Let's stand, though, and sing as we respond to the name of Jesus.